Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys today. Glad you joined us. Um, I'm real excited about this series, you know, Follow Jesus. And we've been, uh, as Sherry said, unpacking what it means to follow Jesus. And, um, you know, we've said that uh, when Jesus invited people to follow him, he invited all kinds of people with all kinds of backgrounds to follow him. Uh, he invited uh, religious people and non-religious people. He invited righteous people and not righteous people. He invited saints. He invited sinners. In fact, we've seen he even invited unbelievers to follow him before they believed. And I think in doing that, Jesus is letting all of us know wherever we are in our journey, he welcomes us to follow him wherever we are and to take the next step of faith. And last week, we started answering the question, okay, Jesus, if I start following you, where are you taking me? <laughs> if I follow you, where are you going to lead me? What's the journey like? And last week, we un unpacked the most significant part of the journey according to Jesus, which was the one commandment that he gave us, which is to love one another. You, you start following Jesus, and he's going to lead you to love one another, including the hard to love. Well, today we're going to unpack another aspect of following Jesus, and this aspect is very important to me personally. And there's, there are certain parts of my story that as your pastor I need to talk about probably once a year just because they were so significant in my journey, and this is one of them. Uh, I, I call it my munchkin moment. And so years ago, my daughter Anna was in a million-dollar production of The Wizard of Oz. And it, uh, they put on the show at the Lila Cockrell Theater in downtown San Antonio, big, big theater. And the show lasted for four weeks. But for your child to be one of the munchkins, uh, parents had to take turns watching the 50-plus munchkins after, you know, if you know the, the story, the munchkins show up in the very first scene of the very first act, and then they don't come out again until the curtain call two and a half hours later. And so, yeah. And so parents... <laughs> What, what, the, what the things we parents do for our kids, man, the kids, they owe us. Okay, so, so parents, if, you're, if your kid was a munchkin, and these were all elementary age kids as young as five years old, you had to take turns watching the 50 plus munchkins for about two and a half, three hours. And so, well, my turn came to watch the munchkins. And, uh, and I'm good with kids. And so uh, things were going, <laughs> going well, and I was going fine until I noticed a certain a boy, he was about 10 years old, he was running around with a plastic toy, hitting other kids with it. And so I told him, I said, stop hitting kids with that plastic toy. And he just ignored me. Now, I'm not real fast, but I can catch me a munchkin. <laughs> and so, so I ran up to this munchkin, and, and I used my, my coach voice. I said, hey, stop hitting kids with that plastic toy, you know. And he looked at me, and he said, no. And he ran off and started hitting kids again. And man, something in me tripped. And I ran up to that boy. I caught him by the arm, and I jerked him around, and I just started screaming at him. And as I raged on and on, he started just, you know, going down to the ground, and he started crying. And after I finished screaming at him, he looked up at me, and he said, you're evil. You ever been called evil? See, I knew in my heart he was right. I don't know what happened in that moment. I mean, I do now. When I was living it, all I could describe is that I felt controlled. 
by something in me. I felt bound to it. I felt chained to my anger. And so that night began, it became like a watershed moment for me. I, I imagined the headlines in the Express News the next day. Pastor makes Munchkin cry. It just it began a journey for me to get free from the chain of anger. Now, we, we all, somewhere in life, have to deal with chains that come into our lives. Mine was anger, but there's other kinds of chains, and so I'm going to talk about those today. Uh, so how do chains get into our lives? Normally, what I've noticed is that chains come into our lives when we've had painful experiences, uh, when we've had hurtful words spoken into our lives, or where we've come across difficult people, or abusive people, or neglectful people, and it's our response to what happens that chains us to whatever, however we responded. For me, it was anger. And what happens, once you get chained to a certain kind of response, you drag it around with you. And so you drag it into every new situation, you drag it into every new relationship, you drag it into every new job, and you don't realize that it's holding you down and keeping you back. And it's stealing your ability to thrive in life. Now, your chains are not the hurtful people or hurtful or painful situations you've experienced. It's your response or your reaction to it, and it's your, it's your coping mechanism. It's your defense patterns. It's your dysfunctional actions. It's your numbing behaviors that you take hold of to process what has happened to you. So it's like something happens to you, and then in response, you, you, know, you grab a hold of something to help you get through whatever pain you felt. And what happens with these uh, unhealthy responses is you, you can hold on to toxic emotions and dysfunctional behaviors as a way of processing your pain or dealing with your pain. So what kinds of chains am I talking about? These are some of the chains that I've seen in my 30 plus years as a pastor. Of course, obviously anger that I mentioned, but then there's the reverse, the flip side of anger, which is depression, which, you know, anger gets expressed outward. D depression is when you turn your anger inward and it just sort of stays within you. I've also seen obsessive, uh, obsessive compulsive behaviors, perfectionism. I've seen uh, pride and self-absorption where the way you respond to pain is just to be focused on yourself, focused on yourself, focused on yourself. I've seen uh, destructive spending patterns. I've seen destructive eating patterns to numb yourself. I've seen people bound to fears and anxieties. I've seen people bound to bitterness and resentment that just stews within them like a stinking stew, like cabbage, you know what I'm saying? I've seen insecurity and self-loathing. I've also seen addictive behaviors and numbing patterns, num numbing behaviors. Are there any chains that are holding you back? In your attempt to follow Jesus, are there any chains in your life? I'm, you know, I, I shared my story of anger, but it could be something else for you, one of these. If you follow Jesus, he is going to lead you to face the chains that are in your life. And so I want us to look at what Jesus said about getting free from the chains that bind us. And so uh, let me set up the scene where Jesus is going to speak some words of truth to us. Uh, Jesus is teaching at the temple in the city of Jerusalem, in ancient Jerusalem. And the temple, you have the, the building there in the middle, which is the temple, but then you have the outer courts where there's some stairways where the teachers could step up on the steps and, and speak to large crowds of people. And that's where they did a lot of their teaching. 
And so if you could picture this, Jesus is speaking in the temple ground area, and he's speaking to two different groups of people. He's speaking to some religious leaders who are being antagonistic toward him. They're, they're you know, giving some questions back and forth. They're debating him. And then he's speaking to large crowds of followers who are hungry to hear him teach. So it's sort of like a political gathering where you know you can have your, your, uh, the people who support you, but you can also have a group that are protesting you, if you can picture it like that. So Jesus is in that setting, and uh, to those people, he has been teaching about who he is. He said that he came from heaven, that God was his father, and as the son of God, he was teaching people that he had authority to forgive them of their sins if they would believe in him. Notice what happened. This is John 8, verse 30. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. So picture the crowds of followers, and they've heard Jesus speak about who he is, that he can forgive their sins, and according to John, many of those followers believed in him. And so if you've been here throughout the series, we said over and over again, Almost everybody who ever followed Jesus followed him before they believed in him. This is another example of that. These people had been following him for, for a while, and now they believed in him. And what's good about that is you can start following Jesus before you believe in him. And so if you would say to me, you know, Pastor Brent, I'm, I'm not sure I believe in Jesus yet. Okay, I still invite you to follow him. Because what happens is when you begin to follow Jesus, I think you're going to get some reasons to believe like these people experienced. And for some of you, you're, you're at that point in your journey of following Jesus where you have believed in him. You believe that he is the son of God, that he's risen from the dead, and that he can forgive your sins. And I just want you to know, if that's where you are, I'm excited for you, I'm happy for you, and I, I want to encourage you to take the next step of faith to identify with him, that you believe in him, and that's the powerful picture of baptism that Sherry talked about earlier. For you, that is your next step of faith where you publicly let people know, I believe in Jesus. In some way, these people let Jesus know they believed in him. We don't know how they did it, but they did. Okay, so you got the picture? So to these, this large crowd of followers, many of them believed in Jesus. And so Jesus has been debating these religious leaders. Now he turns his attention to this large group of, of people who have now believed in him, the many who believed in him. And then he speaks the words... He speaks some words of truth to help them experience freedom. This is John chapter 8, verse 31. To the Jews who had believed in him, see, he's, he's turning his direction. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Truly, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That's a very powerful promise. That's a big promise, isn't it? That if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now here Jesus uses the metaphor of slavery and chains to picture being controlled in a way we don't want and in a way we don't like. Have you ever felt controlled by some chains? Like, like I described in my anger, maybe for you it's something else. Do you feel bound to depression? Do you feel bound to anxiety? Do you feel bound to some addictive behavior? Come on, that's where we're going. And so I wanna make several observations about what Jesus says here to help us unpack this. 
uh, first observation is that Jesus assumes his followers will have chains they need to deal with. Did you notice he didn't say if you have chains or if, if you need to get free? He's talking to all the disciples, all the people who will ever follow him, and he says, you're gonna have chains, and so I'm gonna tell you how to get free from the chains. And so that tells me that if you're a follower of Jesus, you are gonna have some chains that you have to face. And so that means you're not alone. If you've been struggling with a chain in your life, you're not alone, we all have them. We, we may have different ones, but we all have them. And so don't be discouraged. Don't beat yourself up. Jesus knows you have chains. That's why he invited you to follow him. And he does wanna help you get free from your chains. But I think what's implied here also is that at some point, you do have to admit your chains. You have to admit you have them, you have to see them. If you don't see them, you're not gonna be able to do anything about it. And so, honestly, back years ago, I didn't see my chains. If you had asked me, Brent, are you an angry person? I would have said, no. I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor, for goodness sakes. We're the nice guys. I didn't see it. But when that boy spoke those words to me, you're evil, I had to rethink my view of myself. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe I do have a problem with anger in my heart. And so I began to ask family members and friends. I talked to them about what had happened and, and asked them, do you think I have a problem? And almost every single one of them said, oh yeah, Brent, <laughs> you got anger issues. And in fact, sometimes it's really hard to be around you. That you're laughing, but it doesn't feel funny when people who love you and are for you speak the truth about your chain. So what are people saying to you? What are the words they're speaking to you? I'm not talking about the family members or, or coworkers who speak words to hurt you. I'm talking about the ones who really do love you. They really are for you. Have they identified a chain or two in your life because they love you? because they're concerned about you. And are you hearing it? Are you seeing it? How are you responding? If you don't admit your chain, you're not gonna ever get free from it. Second observation I wanna make about uh, what Jesus said here. And that is the, the chains that bind us and how we get free from them, it, it begins it, and it occurs up here in the mind. So let me, let me explain why. Because Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So truth is something you know in your mind. What binds us to chains in our lives are our ways of thinking and ways of believing that attaches us to some reality about that chain. In some way, we justify it. In some way, we excuse it. It's our belief system, it's a way of thinking. I call it stinking thinking. And if you wanna change your life, you have to change your thinking, you have to change the stinking thinking. Because what you believe, it, it does impact what you do and how you live. Third observation uh, about Jesus' teaching here, and that is he says that holding on to his teaching is what ultimately sets you free. Because he said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So you, you do hold on to his teaching. According to Jesus, if you hold to his teaching, you have the truth in your life, so you know it, 
And then that, the knowledge of that, tr that truth is what helps you get free. Now, I do want to acknowledge here that Jesus is equating his teaching with the truth, not just a truth, the truth. And I know that for some of you, you know, you're still not sure what you think about God yet, and you certainly aren't sure what you think about Jesus yet. You know, this is sort of a bold statement to make. Hey, my teachings are the truth. But I, I do think it's a critical part of the journey. You do have to wrestle with who Jesus is because if Jesus really is the Son of God, then one of the reasons he came to the earth is to teach us the truth. And he teaches us the truth not to hammer us and hurt us. He teaches us the truth to set us free. If you hold to my teachings, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to hold to my teachings? This is what I think it means. First of all, you do have to learn his teachings. I mean, you have to get exposed to them. And that's why I encourage many of you to read through the first four books in the Christian scriptures where you get all of Jesus' teachings. You do have to learn his teachings, what he said about how to live your life. Secondly, you do have to believe those teachings are true. You have to get to the place where you believe them, where you believe what he said, not the way you've been living. And then thirdly, you have to practice the truth. I think that's what it means to hold on. You learn the truth, you believe the truth, and then you practice the truth. And then that, that's what leads you to hold on because can, can we just acknowledge, how many of you know you can know a, a teaching but not hold on to the teaching? You can know a truth but not hold on to it? I can't tell you how many times in my 30 plus years as a pastor, I've counseled with people, I've prayed with people, and we got to the place about some situation in their life where they knew the truth. They knew the right thing to do. They knew what Jesus taught about it. But then when I asked them, so are you gonna do what Jesus said? And, and they were honest. Mm -mm. So you can know a truth but not hold on to the truth. And it's the holding on part that sets you free. And so what you believe according to Jesus, what you believe and how you think matters. And Honestly, that's a part of why every week when we gather together as a congregation here at City Church, that's why we sing songs of truth. It's a way of getting the truth in your mind and in your heart, and it's why we study the scriptures. It's a way of getting the truth and getting Jesus' teachings out so we can hold on to them and the truth can set us free. Okay, so this is the journey, and it applies to all kinds of chains, no matter which one you, you feel like you have in your life, you know, I told you about my anger, and I ha I've had others, and I do have others, okay? Just being honest with you. What I want to do is show you how one teaching helped me get freedom uh, from in, in my anger, the area of anger. And this is just one teaching. There were numerous teachings that helped me deal with my anger and what was going on within me. Uh, this is just one of them. And so I don't, I don't want to over, overly simplify it, but this is one that helped me a lot, and it's, uh, it's from Jesus' teachings. So this is in Matthew chapter 5, and here again, Jesus is speaking to large crowds of followers, and he's teaching them how he can, they can get free. Uh, and in this case, obviously, he's addressing anger. So this is Matthew 5, 21. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister, let me pause there, anyone who is angry. If you go and look at the Greek grammar there, he's talking about this is a situation where you have ongoing anger towards someone. 
Yeah, so this, I call this lingering anger. It's going on right now. Anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone says to a brother or sister, Raka, which is like a cuss word, uh, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Now, let me just pause and say, Jesus isn't saying if you got anger in your heart, you're going to hell. Okay, so we clear about that. We talked about this last week. Uh, if you want to get clarity about how you have eternal life, uh, go back and listen to last week's message, but I'll give it, give it to you in one sentence. Remember John 8, 30? It's by believing in him and who he is that your sins are forgiven. So this passage is not talking about how to get to hell. It's a different issue, and I don't want to get into it. But what this passage does address is having anger in your heart. When you have lingering anger in your heart, did you notice what Jesus compared it to? Murder. Yikes. So how do you get lingering anger? Well, something happens, and this is what I appreciate about Jesus' teaching. Jesus assumes we're going to have conflict with people. Jesus assumes we're going to hurt one another. He doesn't assume we're not. He assumes we will. What he's trying to do is teach us, okay, when conflict comes, when, when people hurt each other, this is what I want you to do about it. And the first thing is you, you have to admit if you've got lingering anger in your heart, because if you have lingering anger in your heart, if you're holding on to anger, you won't be able to hold on to his teachings. And so this was a part of what I realized was going on in me. Now, again, if you had asked me, okay, Pastor Brent, are you angry at someone? Honestly, where I was, I would have said, no. No, I know, no, I know you're supposed to, I'm a forgiver. You know, I'm, I'm the forgiving kind of people. And that's really what I thought. But here's what happened. Over time, as I processed the hurts that had happened in my life with some uh, close friends, several men's groups I was in, and we were each wrestling with our chains, and we were studying what the scriptures say about our chains. What I noticed is that when people would hurt me, my tendency was just to not respond to it and to move on. And I, so the truth I told myself is, by doing that, I was exhibiting self-control. See, I wasn't lashing out at them. I wasn't, I wasn't hurting the people who hurt me, which means, okay, I did the right thing, and then I moved on. But what I learned was, I was holding on to all of the hurt. And so then this hurt came, and then this hurt came, and then this hurt came, and what happens is you have a bunch of piled up hurts in your heart, and, and in my case, it chained me to anger. They were all just lingering. And this is a part of what I learned in my journey. There are three typical responses we have when people hurt us. You know, and like I said, my, mine tended to be anger, but the, these are the ways we respond. This is what gets us chained to whatever our chains are. The first uh, type of response is revenge. That's when we seek to hurt the person who hurt us. And uh, I know some people, that's their go-to way. <laughs> uh, second a type of response is to resent. That's where we hold on to bitterness toward the person who hurt us. And that's where we just let it stew and we replay what happened over and over again and then we even imagine what we wish we would have done, what we wish we would have said. You see, that's how you resent. That's lingering anger. And then the third is to repress. That's where we act like the wrong didn't hurt us or we minimize the hurt or we just stuff it. And as I shared with you, that's the one I tended to uh, re respond with. I would just stuff it, stuff it, stuff it. But over time, it just became too much to stuff. And then here's what happens. Did you notice what's said? How do you know you have anger in your heart? If you go back to what Jesus said, it's by the words you speak. Jesus taught, 
Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And in my case, I spoke angry words often. Raka. Only I didn't say raka. And so here's what I had. I had to come to the place in my journey where I would acknowledge I have a belief system in my, I have a way of thinking and believing in my mind that is tolerating the anger in my heart. And I have to change it. I have to hold on to Jesus' teachings instead. So what did Jesus say to do if you realize you have anger, lingering anger in your heart? He's gonna apply it to anger. You can apply it to your chain. This is what he said, verse 23. Therefore, if you have lingering anger in your heart, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, so it's at a worship setting like this, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Oh, that's so profound. Jesus is teaching us about his movement that he called the church. And he acknowledges we're gonna have some religious rituals, so you see what's happening. Someone's performing a religious ritual, they're, they're giving an offering, which is a good thing. But Jesus says, my movement is more, more important than any religious ritual you will do. My movement is about relationship. If you're getting ready to perform a religious ritual, but you realize there's a, there's a, a rift in a relationship, leave it. Don't do the religious ritual. Go and reconcile with the person where there is conflict, where there is division. What's his number one commandment? Love one another. See, this is where the love one another comes in. That's the most important commandment. Go and be reconciled, then come and present your offering. You see where he's going? He's saying you have to resolve the issues, the conflicts, the division in your relationships first. And so he now gives us a fourth option for how to respond when people hurt us. And he calls us to reconcile. That's where we forgive the person who hurt us. And if possible, we make amends. Now, recon reconciliation like Jesus teaches here he applies it to anger, but he applies to all kinds of chains. You see, I've found that so many people I talk to, maybe their issue is not anger, but some of them are struggling with addictive behaviors. Some of them are struggling with uh, destructive spending patterns. They're doing it to numb themselves, or they're just struggling with destructive eating patterns or compulsive behaviors that they know are dysfunctional, and they're doing it to numb some part of their soul. What Jesus is teaching here is that when you reconcile with the person who has hurt you and that maybe you have hurt, it brings peace to your soul. If you can get beyond the past hurt, you can move on in the present without the hurt. If you let go of the pain, you'll be released from the chain. You see what I'm saying? Now, I do want to acknowledge, I do want to acknowledge that there are certain situations where you, you should not, probably should not reconcile in person. So some of you might be thinking, oh my gosh, I don't want to go, and, and so I want to acknowledge that. So if there's ongoing abusive behavior from the person who's hurt you, you don't have to reconcile in person. If, uh, if there's a potential for danger or physical harm with the person uh, you're in conflict with, you don't go in person. And I would also say if the other person has not owned their part of the conflict and, and you know they're not willing to, it really serves no beneficial purpose then to go in person because then you may make things worse. In those cases, you reconcile or resolve by forgiving the person who wronged you and letting go of the pain. And like I said, when you let go of the pain, 
it releases you from the chain. Now, I do want to acknowledge to you that uh, me getting released from chains in my life, various ones, anger's just one, it didn't happen alone, and it didn't happen quickly. I got together with a group of men over time. We got honest with, with each other about what's going on in our lives, and we asked each other for help. And, and we either even wrestled with each other as we, we explored Jesus' teachings, you know, the, the truth that can set you free. And so that's, I want you to know, that's why here at City Church, we're so committed to getting our people in circles. The purpose of getting you in circles isn't so we can say, hey, we have people that are meeting in groups. The purpose for you is that you can connect with a few other people who can help you find freedom and whom you can help find freedom. And we train all of our leaders, the leaders of our various circles, to help people in the journey to find freedom. And then for some of you, you're at the place where there's a very specific program we have here at City Church called Peel the Onion, PTO for short, which is like a six-month program to help you really go deep and figure out all of the past hurts and, and the issues in life that have brought chains into your life, and we help you get free, again, with some leaders who've been trained to do that. And so for some of you, that may be the next step of faith, is to deal with the chains in your soul. And I want you to know, if you're getting real nervous right now, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can talk about my chain, my issue, my, my struggle, my addiction. Uh, you can at City Church. City Church is a safe community of grace where we understand that everybody comes wherever they are in their journey. It's why I'm talking about my anger with you. And we get real and honest about our struggles in life. That's a part of how you get free. You have to feel safe to say it out loud. And this is a safe community. I want you to know that. And we will come alongside and help you get free to the very best of our abilities. But you do have to admit you got chains and you have to want to get free. And what we will do is walk with you and follow Jesus together and we will help you get freedom. I know what I'm talking about. So after that little boy called me evil, it just, it wrecked my soul. I, you know, like I said, I confessed it to a few other friends and I just began praying and fasting. And like I said, I went through several different groups like PTO with different groups of men over the years just trying to get at all of the issues in my life. And it, it took a while. But as the months turned into years, I, be, I, I felt like I changed. I felt like I, I was doing better. But then, you know, I didn't think I was angry before. So, you know, you get to some point where you're not even sure you can trust your own judgment about yourself. You ever been there? And so I wasn't sure. Well, something happened during that time uh, that, that I think was encouraging. My, my daughter, Anna, so now we're a few years later, my daughter, Anna, was in an acting class. And I knew the instructor pretty well. And uh, the instructor told uh, Barbara that Anna was doing pretty well in the class, except for there was one area where Anna was not doing well. And he told Barbara that whenever he want, uh, asked Anna to act angry, he said she just couldn't do it. She would start giggling and just, it just wasn't in her, which sounds sort of sweet. But anyway, uh, so Barbara was working with Anna, coaching her on how to act angry. And so, you know, Barbara, would, she, you know, your face, when you're angry and your face gets a certain way and the way you shout in your hand, you know, you get real demonstrative in your hand. She started acting out anger. And she said, Anna said to her, 
Oh, you mean the way daddy used to be? The way daddy used to be. Life change is possible. There is hope. And I, I don't want to overly simplify anything. I'm not going to tell you I don't ever, I didn't never struggle with anger again. That's not true. But I can tell you I am not controlled by it. I am not chained to it. And whenever I do see anger, now I know what to do about it. And it's like Jesus said. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And if you follow Jesus, he will lead you to freedom because he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I'm so grateful that you're that kind of Savior, that you're that kind of Lord. You're the kind who leads us to freedom. You don't browbeat us and beat us up with the truth. You, you use the truth to set us free. And so, Lord, uh, first I pray for those who are struggling with their chains even now. Uh, my prayer is that you would give them hope, that you would give them faith, that you would give them courage to take the next step of faith, to experience the kind of freedom that you can give them. And, and for some of you, maybe the next step is just for you today to admit you have a chain. Just to admit it, just whisper, say, Lord, here's my chain. Here it is. It's sort of like me. And when I finally admitted I was an angry person, maybe for you is just to admit, Lord, I'm depressed. Lord, I'm, I'm bound by anxiety. Lord, I'm bound to an addiction. I, Lord, I just, I lay it before you and I ask you to set me free. And so, Lord, my prayer is that you would help us as a church, each one of us, as we walk with each other and as we help each other find freedom together. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.